This is episode 35. Uh, we're going to be recapping 308. And you know that we're all going to have a lot to say. And a lot, there might be a lot of screaming incoherently. Because um, this episode was a lot. And it was Queerly and Blast dream come true, I think. Finally. 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 We waited so long. Uh, but before we get into the Maliks of it all, uh, we're going to talk about some of the other stuff. But first, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, Lily Street 75872265 on Twitter, who said, I just need you to know that anytime one of you references Howdy Partner on the podcast, it adds 10 years to my life. I appreciate that. I think it takes away 10 years of our lives every time <laughs> we think about Howdy Partner. So Jones has redeemed himself. So now I can <laughs> say the line with joy and glee now that I know that I like Jones so you know it's before it was the cringiest thing that have ever happened and then this epi- episode happened and made it, it was even cringier so now we can embrace the howdy partner I uh I think about how much we mocked and made fun of howdy partner after the season two finale like through all of the recaps and every time we came a howdy partner we'd all just be like Ugh! and now Jones is like one of our favorite characters so that that's growth All right, so let's talk about uh, a big chunk of the episode that was the mindscape and everything that was Maria and Isabel and Rosa and Mr. Jones. It was great, super interesting. My first note here says Jones is still sexy. (laughs) I mean, let's be real. It says something about us, me, all of us, whatever, that that's true. But when he's angry and he's being weirdly aggressive, I'm like, okay. (laughs) I think it's just because Max is just so, it's just such a contrast. Like you expect him to be a little like more like Max. And then he comes out with these like cringy sayings and he's just so over the top that it, it works, it works so well. So And you know what? It's kind of funny because I started watching Roswell because of Nathan, because I was a fan of his from General Hospital. And and Max is so vanilla, white bread, boring that I like had zero interest in him. Whereas I was a big fan of his character, Ethan, on General Hospital. And then we got Max and I was like, ugh. And now we've got Jones and I'm like, I remember now why I liked him so much. All right. um, So maybe y'all can explain this to me. I still don't understand how Maria can access Patricia's memories. Like I don't, are we talking, I mean, I've watched shows before that deal with genetic memory, but it's never been mentioned on this show that I can remember. And it it hasn't been explained how Maria can access Um, Patricia's memories. The only thing Jones said is that they're genetically linked. So, like, all, like, um, generations of um, DeLuca women, I suppose. Uh, and so they all have each other's memories. I guess that's alien-based. No. No. 
Um, but I have no idea. Just, they do why not- is it just the women? Why, why would it be every DeLuca ever? They're all genetically linked. Well, yeah, but you only met the women. So I think that's why they talk, you only talk about them. But um, yeah, we can, we can all agree that that makes no sense. I'm fine that with that. It makes no it, sense. They did not yeah, explain it's fine. it. So. <laughs> I don't it's care. Fine. Just, go it. It. Hand wave it. <laughs> Just go with it. I'm willing to hand wave it because this, it was so interesting. And, you know, as part of, I get that they had to have that to get to the Jones thing. And I'd rather them do that than like, I don't know, some kind of weird time travel or something but I still don't understand it but okay um, sure fine I was a little kind of bracing myself about the experimenting and the having Patricia be the one to you know I, I obviously it makes sense later that she's not actually doing it and she's trying to like sabotage but given some iffy choices on the part of like that speech that Alex gives later on I was like Ooh, but you're getting into some really um, scary territory here about uh, people of color and like, you know, history of medical experimentation. So I, as far as I think they, they handled it well, I mean, they sort of got themselves out of that corner. Um, but, you know, it was, it was getting a little hairy there for a little while, but I loved the fact that like the way that Heather acted that and, you know, from every moment that she was with, you know, in her grandmother's memories or whatever. Like, it was very powerful. She did it very well. Yeah. I, uh, anytime that you can see it coming, that they're going to try to cover something that's very, very sensitive. I am always a little like, Oh, because they have historically not been great. Um, I, I get that the effort is there, like they're trying, but it never really seems to pan out the way that they mean it to. This one was probably, in my opinion, the best they've done. Um, and I, I don't know it made me very uncomfortable, but I think that was the point. I mean, it's supposed and to, to make ha- you yeah, to have Maria do it, you know, it 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 is very powerful. I mean, I think they got across what they wanted to get across, and I'm glad that she found out because it would have been heartbreaking had she had it not panned out that way and she found that really horrible thing out about her grandmother so I'm glad that they course corrected on that obviously but to have to have Maria have to think that that's what she's doing is that is psychological fucking torture so I you know it it worked itself out in the end thank god but during it I was like I don't know yeah. And I enjoyed it because it's like Mick said in her notes, um, I think it plays into this theme that they've had this season of your parental figures your and your parents and, and people like kind of it not being so black and white that some kind sometimes these people are in gray areas, you know, and Patricia, you know, even if she was giving placebos, I mean, obviously she couldn't give placebos every time. And so she is kind of part of this, even though it's, it's part of her effort to to break them free of this. Like it's still, it's still kind of a morally gray area. Oh, absolutely. Um, And Patricia can be a good person and, and do these kind of morally iffy things. And I think it would make it, it makes the situation fraught and stressful, but more interesting. And I think it plays into this idea that Nora and Louise and all these people may not have been the, the altruistic angels that we thought them to be. Which is much more interesting then you know they're all perfect and everything they did you know was always the right choice and everything was always good and right and all of that I think it makes it a lot more interesting that Nora is and Patricia and all of them are you know multi-dimensional and they're 
that everything, you know, nothing is cut and dried and that there's more to learn and that we, you know, cause if they'd sort of left Nora the way that she was last season, it wouldn't have been a whole, very interesting, you know, it just would have been this sort of interlude of this, you know, perfect woman. And now we know that, you know, she made some hard decisions and some, you know, that she was forced to make that we don't always have to agree with. And that's okay. Same with Patricia. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. So that was interesting. Obviously I'm glad for Maria that it didn't last very long in, in the context of the episode that she thought that um, Patricia was um, helping um, the coffee experiments um, and not in the coffee experiments herself. Um, again, like you both said, um, I think it's terrible that Maria had to go through that. Um, I hate it. I understand why plot-wise, and I, I think she's a badass for it. I also, again, every time we talk about race, we're white people, so, you know, I'm, I try to tread very carefully when I talk about it. Um, I still think it's terrible to, that she had to experience generational racial trauma like that. Um, right. Yes, she does, she's a badass for it. Um, but at the same time, like I had it down in my notes, I think it was like a little bit of an iffy situation with how they did Maria versus Isabel in this episode, in the sense that Maria was like the strong black woman stereotype and Isabel was kind of the white savior in this episode. Now, Maria did whatever she wanted to do in this episode and did not go with Isabel's idea, but Isabel's idea was still like, you know, I'm trying to save you, I'm trying to help you, I'm trying to be like the cautious one. Um, So I don't know if I explain myself very well, but um, so that was one thing. I do think that they that it worked well in the sense of we already knew the experiments were happening from last previous seasons. Um, so the groundwork was there. Um, it was not something that they, like this sprung on us. Um, we were prepared for it. And I think it worked really well to talk about racial issues like that because it was, um, very much it mixed very well with the plot like it was part of the plot and it was something that drove the plot forward so it was not like episode five six the one with all the racial stuff there was just racial stuff and it was like it, it looked like an interlude episode to talk about that this episode did not feel like that because it was so so much interconnected with the plot that it made sense for us as viewers and it also made a point um socially i guess um so it it, it didn't feel like we always say that they tick off boxes for like representation talking about social issues and stuff um it did not feel like that to me um so props for that i guess well, it didn't, I don't think it felt like that because, you know, this isn't the first, it, the first time that these experiments have been mentioned, that Caulfield's been mentioned, you know, this goes back to season one. And so now this makes sense. Like you, even though it hasn't been mentioned every episode, it, you know, it makes sense that the, the narrative has led 
to this and you finally get to learn more about Caulfield, this makes sense. Whereas a lot of times when they, we say that they check off these boxes, it's because it, there's no buildup. You know, there's no buildup to the threesome. There's no buildup to, you know, I mean, there's buildup to the racism and stuff from earlier in the season, but not like that explicitly. I think it's just kind of known, um, except for the Wyatt of it all, but it just made more narrative sense. So this time you get to this point and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, this makes sense now. Rather than just like, where did that come from? So uh, let's talk about um, really quickly. I really loved that Patricia and Nora were friends. No. <laughs> that was really cute. And it's always nice to see Nora. Um, and to know that she was working on stuff and kind of fighting for her people and fighting Jones even while imprisoned. Like she wasn't going to give up. Um, I'm calling it out. I, I still am on the belief that we're going to find out Nora's not dead. I'm sorry. I know no one believes me. I know no one agrees with me. It's just a I feeling. Can see it. It's a nagging feeling that will not go away that there's Nora is still around somehow or she's going to come back. I don't know. Some weird science. Do you think it's old waiting. Nora or do you, do you think it's old Nora? Or do you think it's Kayla Ewell Nora that we're going to see? I would imagine that if they were going to have her back, it would be the the younger Nora mm-hmm. somehow. I, I, I know that that doesn't make any sense, but <clears throat> it's Roswell. It doesn't have they to make have sense. Clones. Right. Exactly. So I just, I said nagging feeling that won't go away. And every time she's brought up and every time we see her and every, it just builds up in my mind, especially because now that we know that it feels like we're leading to some sort of showdown between Michael's parents. Um, and so I don't know until I, you know, and, and until the show ends, I'm just going to imagine that she's going to come back at some point, even if it's not for a long time. And even if it's only for an episode, I just have this like belief that she and Michael are going to get to have an episode together and share so let's hope. I don't know. I did love that scene. You know, Nora's just so interesting. And, you know, it would have been interesting. Especially knowing was, what we know now. Yeah. I would have loved to see Patricia with a, you know, as Patricia and not with as Maria. You know what I mean? Like, I wish we could have gotten mm-hmm. more of that. Um, but it was a great include because it, it gave such well, a lot more insight into both Nora and Patricia. And anytime we get that in a way that makes sense to the narrative rather than taking away like some of the flashbacks last season did where it actually adds into it, like, which we've said multiple times has worked really well this season where it feels like it makes sense. Um, and so that was really nice. Uh, let's talk briefly about Isabel's uh, big damn hero scene where she just got to kick the crap out of Jones in several different places. And I was definitely here for it. I love her. I've never been so turned on in my life. watching Isabel and Jones like I was like this is it's bisexual heaven yeah this is a lot like yeah I'm aware yeah I know it's it's weird because of the max of it all and Isabel and who they are but I was like you know what visually this is why I watch this show that's it I don't I don't care if it makes if it's over dramatic as hell but that was nice she really they really had her kick some ass. And that's like the second time in two seasons they've had her like physically go ham on someone. And I'm a, I'm a big fan. And he's always Max. <laughs> some version of some version of Max. I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. I think, you know, it was a nice um, kind of climax to the episode for her because she starts 
of the episode kind of very tentative to go in the mindscape she, she you know she's the one again she's the one who suggests they hide instead of like fighting out um and and stuff so I really like that she goes from um you know obviously it's because of her own trauma with Noah and you know previous stuff and all of this and obviously Joe's doesn't help because she's you know she's un- she underestimates herself um and this is something that has come up um this season a lot um so it was very nice to see her go from being like um not having a lot of self-esteem in that sense in the mindscape sense um to go like no this is my landscape I kick ass um and I love that it's Rosa that got it there I just love that so much I know that you guys are very adamantly anti-Rosa Bell I love it and the uh, the scenes this episode I could see it a little further down the line I like them I the age thing is she's an adult either way yeah. I, it, it doesn't feels, bug me as it much. felt this this episode familial to me like a family um very much like a I mean like Maria says like a sister you know it felt like a sisterhood in a way that we haven't really seen you know so far with all of them like it felt like a connection with all of them so I mean I don't I don't begrudge anybody any ships whatever whatever makes you happy but um I did enjoy I do enjoy where Rosa and Isabel are now um where it feels like they are working together they have you know Rosa has sort of forgiven Isabel, even if Isabel, sometimes I wish that that had been discussed a little bit more about their history or whatever and everything that happened, but it feels like there's respect there and there's trust there and there's support between the two of them. And that was, that was a lot of this episode. And I, anytime that Rosa can show how much she has changed and where she's in a much healthier place is, is, is a good thing um she deserves a lot and she's been through a lot and so this episode really showed that rosa is a strong character on her own i mean she's you know i really 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 and i know we'll talk about it in a minute loved the stuff with her and liz and giving rosa a chance to show that she is smart and she is a part of this and when they couldn't do a lot of this without rosa that she's you know and i think that was a lot of the mindscape too was that rosa was a, a very important part of it and she wasn't just the sort of sidekick, which is kind of how it feels sometimes for her. Yeah, I agree. Um, I feel like a lot of times Rosa is like the convenient plot device, you know, with her abilities. And and sometimes I feel like if they can't, you know, pseudoscience something, they'll just be like, oh, well, we'll write that Rosa can do it. You know, all of a sudden Rosa has super hearing and, you know, all of these things. And I mean, I want... Rosa to be more integrated in the story. And so I'm, I'm a big fan of when they use her, but she has felt plot devicey. And so this episode, I think is, you know, establishing that, you know, she's, she's integral to how this show works and how these storylines work. And she's an important piece to a lot of these characters, as well as being a, a stronger character on her own. You know, this season has really, really established her as her own person whereas you know like season one she was the the she was dead so she was the the impetus for a lot of the storyline and then season two was a lot of 
her stuff was connected to Liz and to to the pod squad somewhat, but it was it wasn't really about her. And this season, I think we're getting more more stuff from her that's about Rosa. Well, and, and I like that I we've gotten we've gotten out of that cycle. Not that her addiction has gone away, but out of the cycle of focusing on her addiction. And now we see her applying the therapeutic techniques that she's learned in her addiction therapy to her everyday life, which is the goal. I mean, that's, that's a pretty healthy way to show someone who is still currently working through issues. It's not like it was solved overnight. She's still an addict. She still has mental health issues, but the fact that we can see the way she talks to Isabel and the way she talks to Maria, that she's taking all those things that she's learning in these sessions and she's using it for other people and for herself. And so I think that's a very subtle, interesting way that they give Rosa her own um, character, like give her her own, um, I've forgotten the word that I was looking for, but you know what I'm saying? Right. Well, and now it seems like, you know, you have Rosa's addiction issues, her mental health issues. And like you said, those haven't gone away, but now she seems more of a character that's not defined by those issues. Exactly. Like this isn't all we ever talk about with Rosa anymore. And that would have been tiresome. Like I understood it in season two, um, but I think now going forward, that would be really a tiresome cycle along the lines of Max, Max's life constantly, Max is constantly dying. Like that gets old. So Rosa's addiction cycle, while important, and her mental health struggles, while important, aren't the only thing that we know and deal with when it comes to Rosa anymore. And I think that's important. Well, and there's so few episodes in every season that it doesn't take much for things to start feeling repetitive. If it happens twice in a span of four episodes, they're very close together. I mean, there's, there's, you know, it's not like there's 22 episodes where you can sort of spread it out a little bit. And it feels so last season, again, you know, I think it was very useful, but it did start to feel repetitive for Rosa only because it didn't feel like we were progressing at all. We were sort of seeing the same thing, multiple episodes, and there really wasn't a whole lot of time to flesh that out. So I'm glad that it, you know, even if the time jump was pretty much pointless, um, it did one thing that seems to come out of it is Rosa's in a very different place than she was at the end of season two, which is a good thing. One thing that we got a lot in this episode is something we've been asking for since season one, which is like genuine friendship scenes. Like you have these, these moments where you, you buy that they genuinely like each other and they genuinely want to be there for each other. That was both in the mindscape. And then after, um, it was just so nice to see. And for Isabel and Maria and Rosa to kind of acknowledge that they, they have this friendship and, and I know we'll talk about it in a minute with Liz, but like Liz and Maria's connection again and and then when we'll talk about it later on maria and michael like it was just nice to see that all of these people are friends and there was hugs and there was just caring about each other and it was just really nice to see i mean it was a group scene without max so that's all i've been waiting for for a long time we just keep winning (laughs) this is all right this is queer alien blast episode um but for real the best part of this season so far for me really is the women supporting women. Like we have had that just so much, especially this episode. I mean, the hugs, the, just the constant, like checking in on one another. Like I was just amazed. Like what angel wrote some of these scenes? Like it's, it's exactly what we wanted. I wanted Isabel to have friends. I've wanted Maria to be part of this story. 
Rosa to do something other than, you know, what they had her do in season two. And we got all of that in one episode. And even though Liz was sort of separate from them a lot of the time, she was still fighting for Maria and still fighting for, you know, it's all working together. And it was just the power of their, the power of their love, but for real, the power of their sort of respect for one another and how much they care about one another really drove the the plot forward in this episode. And I'm so glad they had Isabel and Rosa with Maria instead of having her do it alone. Like that was such a good choice. Yeah. 100%. Um, like we always say, this show keeps selling us their friends and they never show it to us. And so this episode was like perfect in the sense that you keep telling us, oh, we're family. We're, you know, Maria saying they're my sisters, we're family and stuff like that. And we actually see that. Like we actually see that this group, they're not just friends. They're like, they generally, I mean, most of them, a good chunk of them are blood related, but um you know that's not really the point they have found you know very much a a family dynamic um and again like you mentioned um even if Liz for the most part of the episode is not with them in the sense that she interacts with them um by the end of the of the episode she still feels like like she's integrated in the group um so I think it worked really, really well. Um, the one thing maybe we could have seen was a little bit more integration with Malix as well within the group. But I guess we'll, I think we'll get it sooner or later. Like we, we'll get a, a bigger group scene or a longer group scene. Um, but even just the bit at the end where they, where they all meet up, that was really nice. The Uggs. The Uggs were- That's what we've been waiting on for so long. And, and finally- you know, Maria and Michael, it's just been so weirdly tense this season. We've talked about before, which made no sense with how they broke up and where they were in their friendship. So finally, there was this, you know, a scene where we can see that Michael and Maria genuinely care about one another and have for a very long time, even if it's not romantic anymore. So to have that moment where that tension was gone and that weird, I don't know, I still don't understand really what was going on with that, but that sort of weird snarky but not even like a fun snarky, like a mean snarky thing that they had going on this Mm -hmm. season. It was over and they had a moment. And then Alex and Maria, you know, a lot of these things that I think fandom made it seem weird between the three of them. That wasn't necessarily weird on the show. You know, they decided to drop a lot of things, which I think is probably for the best. So it was really important for me to have that scene with the three of them and, and showing that. Yeah. Once again, season two just genuinely didn't happen. <laughs> I was just about to say, in the spirit of just forgetting about season two. Yeah, I, lo- exactly. I love that scene. I love yeah. that bit. I love Alex being like, just like, move out of the way. I got to add Maria too. Right. Like, just... Because again, a lot of that tension that's been created is more fandom and more fanon than it is yeah. canon. And so... I have wanted the show to sort of refute a lot of the negative, negative added, you know, energy created by fandom and after the threesome or whatever. Um, So that was, you know, very subtle. And, you know, I was, I was kind of bracing for fandom's reaction. Like, oh no, but they, they handled it really well. It was all love. They all, this episode was about nothing more than love and respect for one another um, and sort of uniting together 
to for an end goal and that they're all friends they all love one another we could have more i hope that we get we continue to get more scenes with everyone but this was a nice start going back really quickly to what we you know we joked throughout the season that it's like season two never really happened um i have a friend in another fandom who is a casual viewer of roswell so she's not involved in the fandom she's not you know really she watched this episode and then she texted me and she said I just feel like season two never happened. I feel like they're just ignoring everything that happened in season two. And I'm like, that is literally, we say it almost every time in our recaps because it really does feel that way. So to have somebody that's not one of us, that's not like super involved and super invested in the show to say, it's like season, it's like season two never happened. I'm not complaining, but it really is. I would never want to do away with all of season two because I do think it had its moments, you know, for all, Mm -hmm. all characters had their moments that I think are important. Um, But it feels a lot like the characters like each other a lot more than they did last season. They respect one another a lot more. There's more communication and, you know, and I don't know if the changing of the showrunners, I really don't know what is in, you know, you know what I think helped because Janine um, mentioned this a few times in interviews. Um, she was like, COVID helped in a way with that because they were forced to not have a lot of new characters, which is still have. And they dropped most of them after <laughs> mid season. But anyway, um, which, which they always do, but they forced, they, COVID kind of forced them not to have a thousand new characters. Good. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Good. So they had to focus on the characters that they have mostly um, and dynamics that they have and the core of their group, which is what we want, is what season one was about because the, season one really did not have that many characters. Like, you know, yeah, season two like went ten hand, of them. like went too much, like yeah, too much too, happening, too, too many much new people, new yeah, all that stuff. This feels like constantly this episode and all the others. It feels like we're getting back to the heart of season one, but even to me, even better because we know the characters a little bit more. I mean, there's some ways you can never surpass some of the episodes in season one. I mean, they're just they're they're going to be iconic in this show, but it feels much more character driven and character based like season one. Um, You're almost like rediscovering the characters that you loved in the first place. There's a reason that we love this show and this, this episode, especially, but the whole season as a whole feels like it's reminding me, it almost feels like a love letter. It's reminding, reminding me why I love this show. Well, and um, I think it helped, you know, and, and I'm sure COVID was a part of this being, a part of the story. I, I think sometimes we forget that in season three, at the beginning of season three, we're a year out from what happened at the end of season two. And so I think that gave, especially with the Maliks and Maria stuff, I feel like it gave it some distance. Like Michael and Maria in canon have been broken up for a year. So, which is why that 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 scene in like the first episode with them where they were weirdly tense was, was awkward because like it was a year ago. But I think now, you know, they, that year has given these characters a lot of time to grow, unfortunately, off screen. But they're still, they're very, a lot of these characters are very different from what they were at the end of season two. All right. uh, One more thing about uh, this part of the episode. It feels like we are finally going to maybe get Maria and Gregory. Um, 
yay for Isabel pushing that. Uh, God, the slow burn (laughs) has been like for no reason. The slow burn for no reason. I mean, I love some drama. Alex was 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 slow burn. (laughs) Right? Holy shit! I've never. It's like watching the world's most unending or reading the world's like unending fic of like pining, like mutual pining. Like you're Mm -hmm. you're your dumbasses. I get it's it. It's not I, and I really... required. They're just both stupid. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and again, I think Sarah, you talked a lot or whoever, somebody talked last time about, you know, it could be for a reason. Maria was very distant for a reason. All this was going on. And I totally get that, but let the woman be happy. And she and Greg are going to, it's the, when they kiss, it's going to be the hottest thing ever in the world. Like, I can't wait. Let's do it. Love that for us bisexuals. Yeah. It's a win. Um, can I just say that I love that it was Isabel again? Like she's always everyone, everyone's wing woman. <laughs> she like, should she's start like, like a matchmaking service. Yeah. yeah. That just, could be her whole little storyline, and she's just gonna be a matchmaker for, yeah. for the love Lauren of Roswell. I just I, I do want kind of someone to do that for her. Yes, but, um, mm-hmm. you know. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and say it. And I have been largely positive about this season. I know this has nothing to do with this episode. I wanted more of Isabel's sexuality to I be, I wanted, I know that we had the the reference to Blair in, in episode one, and that's great showing that it's not, <clears throat> excuse me, dropped. And, and obviously, you know, but it, it, we haven't gotten any of it. And I know that we were a lot of things change when we change showrunners, but that was always going to be the plan for season three was to let Isabel explore her sexuality and have a girlfriend and all those things. And I'm not saying she can't now, but I mean, we're, we're yeah, now we're getting to like the dramatic, like climax of the season right. and like where it's going to be the time for her to, right. There's only five met anyone. <laughs> right. And I just, so I'm always going to be a little bit sad that that's not what happened this season. You know, there's no telling in the future. It could be a thing. I don't think they're going to drop it. Um, I don't, it just may be the goal this season that Isabel isn't ready for a romantic storyline really. And, you know, she's just having fun and that's great. I have no problem with that, but I'm, I'm, I want, if that could change one thing for in the future, it's that I want Isabel to have, you know, a romantic relationship that we get to see. Yeah. Agreed. Or even and COVID, and COVID could have changed that a lot. COVID yeah. could have, you know, really altered some plans for, for some storylines, which I totally understand. So, All right, let's talk about Liz's stuff. Uh, she was, she's been isolated for most of the season and she was isolated for a lot of this episode, but I feel like in this episode, it worked. And I think it says a lot about Janine's ability and talent because most of her scenes this season, I mean, this episode, she was by herself with unconscious people and a horse. And it's like all she had um, to interact with. I'll say that there's nothing that she did it very well. And this is a testament to how good Janine's acting is. Nothing drives me more insane than when a character talks to themselves out loud when they're alone and has this like dramatic you know, monologue that no one can hear. Like literally nothing drives me more insane because it's not realistic and it's just so over the top. But Janine did it very well. It wasn't cheesy in the way that usually for me where I'm like, why are you talking to yourself? You would not be doing you. No, this is not realistic, but she did it so well. And it's so part of her character 
to speak into that little microphone and like record herself. And like, I think it helps her to like talk out loud and do all that. So it makes sense for her character. So I was pleasantly surprised by how much that didn't drive me insane. I've tried every chemical combo I can think of and nothing is working. The infection is spreading and we have so little time. It's... When I left last year, you asked me if I was leaving or running, and I told you the first because I was too afraid to admit the second. I've been listening to Kyle, but I realize, like, I don't just run from things. I run to them. Like, the sheer velocity of my running can will something into being, and it works enough of the time to let me keep lying to myself. And now everyone I love is going to die because I lie to myself that being the smartest person in the room can be enough. <laughs> I do agree with you when I, I am kind of um, done with uh, scenes of characters talking to people in a coma. I think we've had enough. <laughs> um, but I did really like that scene. Um, one, because it does show... Um, Liz and Maria's friendship too because I do think it it shows a very um Liz's character growth um and I think most of it she realized herself after you know that episode that she had with Kyle just saying stuff to her um I think she has grown a lot and she's thought about a lot of the things that people have said to her in the past um and you know her vocalizing um that she runs to stuff but from stuff and to stuff and it's the way that she lives her life and it's a way that she uses to cope with um you know hard times in her life and also to like kind of fool herself into you know not stopping and dealing with a situation um and I think that was great. I think it was great for her to realize that um, and to admit it to herself. Um, I also think that it was great that she admits that she's not invincible because a lot of the time with Liz, obviously she's the badass, you know, main character of the show, uh, but she's not, she's not perfect. And we've seen that. Um, last season especially I think but I think it's good that she comes to their realization as well that she's human at the end of the day you like you cannot do everything by yourself and you cannot expect to be perfect and you know a lot of it is from how she grew up and her, her mother and all of that but um, I think it's good that she realized that and what that meant for a relationship with Rosa after that we'll talk about um, and the last thing that I wanted to mention is that, like Sarah mentioned, she's been isolated and she was isolated for a lot of the episode. But I think at the beginning of the season, she felt isolated, like she was not integrated in the plot either, I think. And it was kind of the point. I mean, I, I hope that that was the point and that was what they were trying to do. And in this episode, in this episode, she was isolated. I guess 
technically um, in the sense that she was talking to herself, but um, she was an integral part of the, of the plot. Like she was working, she was working by itself, but she was working as well with Isabel and Rosa and information that they gave her and Michael as well and information that they all have. And they were, were all working towards a common goal. So it, it, it finally felt like she was back being at the front of the show because for a lot of this season, I think she did not feel like the main character. Um, so it was great to see. I love Liz. Yeah, I do really appreciate that the heart of Roswell is that Liz is so scientific-minded because anytime you show a woman in STEM, like... I am blown away and amazed because I know my own childhood, I was never encouraged to be interested in science or math or anything to do with that. It just wasn't, and I don't think that's who I am as a human anyway. Like, I don't think I would have ever been like, no, but it, I would, I certainly know I wasn't encouraged in school. And so it's so every time she does her like scientist Liz thing, I'm like, I am just in awe of you. And I, I'm, I'm hopeful that it's just the you know any a long line of a female scientists on TV just all the time everywhere we we need to see them. Well, and like I said in high school, my one of my main fandoms was Stargate, and there was Samantha Carter, who was the badass soldier scientist, like genius that made everything work on the show. And I know that people, who, girls who watched that when they were my age, there's a lot of them that you look at them now and they'll say Samantha Carter inspired me to to get into STEM. And I hope that characters like Liz will inspire future generations of girls, you know, like girls who are young teenagers now to be like, I can do STEM, I wanna do STEM. And so I think that it's important representation, whether or not it makes sense is beside the point. Well, and I think the show could have fallen into this hole where Michael was the scientific center of it all. And he was the sort of genius, he was the, engineer he was all of these things so I'm glad what they did was they have this sort of balance between Michael Kyle and Liz where they all are immensely intelligent about different aspects of like you know science and you know blah blah it's not a competition right it's not and it's never it's a it's a they boost one another and they support Liz and they don't ever you know the show never falls back on this like well, Michael's going to be right because he's a man and Liz is a woman. You know, there's none of that, which is you can get a little dicey sometimes, but they sort of support one another in each other's series, which I like. One thing I think that was clear, even though Liz was isolated in this episode, is she just she cares so deeply about all of these people. You know, it's not just Rosa. It's not just Maria. You know, I think it's clear that she cares deeply about Isabel and Michael and Kyle and like all of these people it's not it's not just Max and Rosa all the time and how hard she fought for all of them in this episode I think showed for for her having been so isolated earlier this season that she's like fully integrated again because she genuinely deeply cares about these people yeah um you know when she said she's doing her kind of monologue and she says uh, if it, when she figures out how to do it and she says if it doesn't work um, the three women I love die and I was like oh my god I'm gonna cry at this <laughs> I'm gonna cry but also um, it was kind of funny in a way because I, 
as I was watching that, I was like, when she says, it's all my fault that they're, you know, Maria is dying and Kyle is in a coma and this and that. Inside my head, I was thinking, Liz, it's not, it's not your fault. Like all of this, you could not have prevented this. Maybe part of it you could have prevented. Maybe part of it is your fault, but you know, it's not all on you. Obviously, like, her being like again the main character the heroine of the show it makes sense for her to have those thoughts and I and I understand why but also as a viewer I was like no honey it's not all your fault come on I think that's just her character like her character is going to take responsibility for the people around her suffering you know whether or not logically it's her fault you know if she can't immediately find the solution to save these people like she's it, she's going to take responsibility yeah, for yeah, it. yeah 100 um let's talk briefly about uh rosa and i loved her scenes with liz with liz kind of brushing her off and like kind of like go go busy yourself doing something else you know and then rosa coming back and being like no i can help and she was critical to solving this problem that her big genius badass sister couldn't solve on her own and i one of my favorite things about liz and rosa from from the moment that rosa came back was that flip-flop flip-flop of older sister younger sister and that sort of new dynamic that they have to uh figure out because for all intents and purposes at this point liz is really the older sister who has done something with her you know she's really done these amazing things with her life and her career and all of that and so then Rosa, you know, comes back and she's, you know, has to deal with being this like weird sort of younger sister now and having to deal with her own issues. And so I can see probably from their childhood and now always feeling a lot less than Liz, you know, and I'm glad I'm, I'm glad they had that moment where Liz kind of brushed her off and then said to her twice, you're right, you know, you coming to that realization of and then apologizing multiple times like that was such a good part of the episode because Liz I think is one that just sort of barrels forward and doesn't really pay attention to what's happening you know it's it's sort of like a do it now apologize later kind of attitude which same um but that means that it's sort of easy to run over Rosa narratively because she is a little bit quieter she is a little bit more unsure of herself um, and so to have that look on her face when Liz tells her she's right was just so perfect. Like, I'm, I'm so glad that they had her really solve a lot of problems in the last couple of episodes. She's really become an important part. We needed this win, Edmada. Yes, we did. And I needed a lesson that you were kind enough to teach me. I've seen how much you've grown in your recovery. I let my ego and narrow-mindedness get in the way of considering all options. And the only reason that Maria is alive is because of you. Hmm. You know, I think we make a pretty good team. And as I learn about myself and all this, I'm really gonna need you. Yeah. And if you think about it, I, I, I do, I like the way they went about it with Rosa being right and Liz realizing that because as Isabel says to Rosa, the fact that Liz does not take you seriously when it comes to you suggesting stuff about science and and things like that is not your problem. 
like Rosa, you're not the problem here. Liz, That's Liz's, Liz's attitude mm-hmm. is a problem. So the fact that Liz herself, before even Rosa went and helped her, um, she realized that she was like, wait, Rosa had this idea. Like she had the realization and immediately after she was like, this is what Rosa said. Yeah. She was right. She's going to be, you know, critical to help me in this because she's she's the one who had the idea. Obviously, she also she's also the one who has the power to help with that. But um, to realize that Rosa was very much an important part of what she wanted to do. And she had the scientific and technical knowledge um, to put into practice an idea that Rosa had uh, in theory. Um, that was great. It was just the two of them using their strengths and working together and realizing that. And the last scene that they had at the, when they were already at the Wild Pony, um, that was great because they, ha- they are a good team. They work very well together. Um, so them finally get into the point where they they see each other as equals. Obviously, there are stuff that they're not equals on because everyone works differently. And Rosa is, you know, has a lot of stuff to work through. And Liz is technically, you know, she has more experience. She has more life experience and all of that. But um, that in the sense of when I, when, when, when Rosa says, I suggest an idea, they're on they now see each other's each other as equals in the sense that Liz will say okay let's listen to this idea maybe it will won't work but at least I'm gonna listen to you first and then we'll see how it goes so I did love the last scene with Isabel oh yeah that was so good I kind of wanted them to make out a little bit (laughs) I I kind of love them together sorry kind of (laughs) kind of was like turned on sorry to this man (laughs) When Isabel uh, <laughs> took the wine cork out with her teeth, I was like, oh, okay. Is this, where are we going in this direction here? I wasn't really expecting, you know, um, we'll just ignore Max. Fine. I mean, like, you know, but it was a sweet, I mean, aside from that, it was a very sweet. It was very sweet. But finally, Isabel, Isabel it, I- yeah. I mean, I think admitting Isabel, that they have a mutual respect for one another the only thing that ruined it, not ruined it. The only thing that I, I wish they hadn't mentioned Max because it really, and I say that because it's sort of Bechtel testy, but like it was such a great heartwarming scene between two women of, you know, Hey, you need to relax. You deserve this. You deserve to take some time for yourself. Like this sort of therapeutic moment and saying, being very honest, which is really hard for Isabel to be vulnerable and honest with people and say, I'm really glad that you're back. I'm really glad that you're here. And had they just ended it right there. And that was when, you know, it sort of went away and we didn't, we weren't talking about men. And this has nothing to do with being anti-max. This has to do with, we don't need to talk about men in every scene. Like it could have just been this great scene between the two of them. And then fucking the headless say the line which is fine you know i still love the scene but it just was a moment it was a it was a good opportunity to not make every conversation about a man i agree i love that scene and it, it did bug me I'm like because they i think it's established now that isabella and liz are friends outside of their connection to max 
like, yes, that's what brings them together. But I think they're, they're genuinely friends, whether or not Max is a factor. So we could have, we could have done without that. But I will say that Isabel pulling the cork out with her mouth is just one of those moments where I'm like, yep, I like girls. And it's very apparent. Apparently I like tall blondes who could step on me. So that's good to know. We found this out. All right, cool. Okay. So before we start on the Malik's part, I had my friend Jenny goes, the first thing that happened, she sent me a message and she goes, I'm really excited to hear you guys talk about Malik's on the podcast this episode. And I said, well, you shouldn't be because it's just going to be loud yelling and it's not going to make any sense. So I I, thank you for listening, but this is probably not going to be enjoyable. (laughs) All right. Let's let's talk about it. Let's go. Let's for real talk about it. Let's get into it. Okay. All right. Before we get super deep into like everything that's happened in, in this episode, I gotta say, and I'm not trying to be negative. It came out of nowhere to me. Like there was like that. Cause you know, two episodes before I think is when they had that really weird antagonistic tense scene. And then like all of a sudden this whole episode is nothing but softness and grand gestures and speeches. And I was like, I mean, I'm here for it, but it just seemed like it, it was, was like, it was both the longest lead up in time of years <laughs> of lead up, but also the shortest lead up in time where it came out of nowhere. I didn't know you could do both of those things where it felt like, where the fuck did this come from? But also we've been leading here from the pilot episode. It was a very strange, mm-hmm. I was just like, I don't know what's happening. I support it, but how yeah, that's the, there is a narrative fail where Michael, we haven't even seen on screen where Michael found out about that. He and Forrest broke up. They don't he and he said fuck Forrest. Who gives a shit? I'm just gonna go in for it. Whatever. He gave no fucks, which support. But like that's they've had like four and a half seconds of interaction, and now we're just making out of the wild pony. I okay. Sounds legit. Yeah. No, again, I don't want to be a negative Nancy about it, but you know, um it it does come out of nowhere in the context of this season obviously we know their story in the previous seasons but in the context of this season they had a few people mentioning their relationship to each other but they had two scenes in which they interacted so and one went really well and one did not very dramatic but it went well and the other was very weird um so it was kind of it was kind of weird in that sense. Uh, I did not expect a kiss to be there because I generally was like, yeah, okay, they'll work together, they'll have dramatic scenes together, <laughs> it's fine. And then them, for them to have the kiss in the same episode, it was kind of out of the blue. But you know, I think the I'm barrier biased, so. the barrier for me, which I'm glad that which they overcame it, which. Because I, I feel like they could never have moved forward until for, uh, Forrest, Jesus Christ, until Alex um, uh, revealed stuff about Deep Sky. And like that was really the big barrier between the two of them. Because, you know, I'm glad they mentioned in this episode where Michael's like, oh, yeah, sort of like how we worked together last time, like being a little sarcastic asshole. Because he's right. <laughs> like the last time that they he tried working with Alex, you know, Alex wouldn't give him anything, wouldn't talk to him. So I'm glad that. The, they went they got over that barrier by Alex admitting that you know he's in deep sky and admitting why he's in deep sky because he hasn't mentioned it yet this fucking season 
So I'm glad that they finally had him say, I joined Deep Sky for you. And that line about, you know, the world in which you're safe isn't going to build itself. So, you know, I have to do it for us or whatever. Like, that's a great line because we've known for so long that Alex's focus has been to protect Michael. We've known it, you know, for a long time, but it did feel like, is it still the focus? We don't know. They hadn't really talked about it. He hadn't really brought it up. But to know that now we've had, he's, that's been on his mind since day one. The, the entire time he's having this conversation with Forrest about Deep Sky, he's really thinking about Michael. He's really thinking about what can I do to, you know, continue to protect Michael. And I appreciate that as a Malik shipper. I'm glad to know because we were a little worried the first few episodes. Like, I don't really know what's going on. So it was nice to have that confirmation again. Well, I agree. <clears throat> I feel like, especially that the the for us scene at the beginning of the episode, I feel like it could have been an episode or two before, like that really tense scene yeah. where they were, were fighting or arguing or whatever. I feel like that could have been that scene or part of that scene. Yeah, you know, know. to me it worked. And but like, I see what you mean. I mean, I love, I loved it. I loved everything in this episode. Like I like mix that. I don't want to be negative because this was magical and wonderful. And like, I, I look, we've I just, been waiting for this for years. We got to get past yeah. the because this is what we got. And we are, <laughs> we won, we won, but we did. And like the four us scene really got to me, like compared to, to all the other ones, it, it's kind of a quieter scene, but this idea that if even if you take the alienness out of it, like a a queer man is fighting to make a world for the man that he loves where they can feel safe and Michael can be protected. And yeah. so to have way, that yeah. outside of the alien connection of it, just as 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 two men who are in love, that Alex is fighting for this, you know, and because whether or not he and Michael are together, I think he made it clear in that scene that he just wants Michael to be safe. And so well, I think and that's I think, why that was my favorite of the Malik scenes in this episode. Well, and I think it's also a, a, um, a sense of atonement for Alex, even though he has nothing to atone for. I think he's always, and he said it multiple times, he's always going to feel guilty about what his dad did to Michael and, and how he, <clears throat> Jesse changed the entire trajectory of Michael's life. And really, ruined a lot of things that they could have had together or that Michael could have had on his own. Um, and so it's clear that his focus has been for a long time now. I can't undo what my dad did, but I can try to protect you moving forward to create this world where that can't happen to you again. No one can hurt you again. And it's become, I mean, this episode, especially he was just laser focused on we have to do this the right way. I don't want to lose you. I don't want to, you know, I want you to be safe. And that is all I've wanted for Alex to say for years now is to show, I mean, we get glimpses of it here and there, you know, and, and he'll say some things about their past or whatever, but this was the most definitive and the, the, the most like, I mean, the most Alex, Alex scene we've had in a really long time and he hasn't been this version of Alex in a really long time where he knew what he wanted he was going after it um just all of his emotions and all of his thoughts are keeping Michael safe and that is that was absolutely wonderful to see no offense I can only handle one liar at a time and today I got to take it from my daddy dictator I joined deep sky you joined 
the evil group after Cameron's sister. Charlie never said that Deep Sky was after her. My dad did. And my dad hated Deep Sky because it stood for everything that he didn't. Well, I'm glad you found a way to fight your dad. But I gotta find a way to fight mine. I joined Deep Sky for you, Michael. This world where you don't live in fear is not gonna build itself, so I have to try. For us? I don't know what to say. Well, you can start by saying that if I help you find your father, that we do it my way. All tactical, not emotional. I plan the mission to extract Max's pod. No sword. You picked a hell of a time for a grand gesture, Mains. I feel like Alex woke up that morning and was like, fuck it. And like, cause it just yeah. like, it, it, it just like, I'm going to tell Michael everything that I'm feeling, everything that I want, like all this. It's like, he just woke up and chose today's the motherfucking day. And I'm, and I am pre that's so Alex. Like, he's like, this is it. I'm going to go for it. Well, and I yeah. also think that makes sense because we've had, we've not that I, we, we, we've now moved past that, but for a brief period of time, we thought Michael was going to die. Maybe, you know, I mean, never seriously thought he was going to die, but that was part of the, the plot for a little while. And I think Alex is having to confront the idea that, you know, that it is fleeting. Life is fleeting and they only have a certain amount of time as far as he knows. And at this point, you know, you, you might as well say fuck it you might as well they, they, because they've come so close they've come to the edge and the cliff every all the time of, of saying almost what they want to say and they and they get there and then something scares them back and they run back from the edge and I think Alex just you can see it on his face where he was just like fuck it I'm gonna fling myself off this cliff and I'm just gonna do it and I'm not gonna know what's protect me underneath or they both did it because I think Alex was you know, saying the things that he needed to say. And then Michael took that step of, well, fuck it. I'm just going to take my cowboy hat off and I'm going to kiss you because that that's, they both took a leap off the cliff. And finally, I mean, it's just, it's literally been years of just not of being worried about what would be on the other side of that. And I, to finally let it go and just, just see what happens. That's, we have just waited so long. Yeah. Yeah. To all of that. Um, Sarah, what you said about the for us scene is also my favorite exactly for that reason of, you know, stripping the alien side away and having two queer men talking about, you know, creating a possible word where they don't, they, you know, Michael and they as a relationship do not have to live in fear. That was, man, I cried. Um, And then, you know, every scene in this episode will like, a greatest hit compilation like was hit after it after it of good tropes and good stuff from them um and I agree that I think something clicked inside of Alex I don't know if it was you know thinking that Michael was gonna die for a brief amount of time maybe seeing Kyle in a coma or the conversation that he had with Ramos I don't know what it was but it clearly clicked that he could not keep Michael safe by also keeping him, him completely in the dark um, about what he was doing. So, and you can see that he, they still kind of have that dynamic of Alex trying to control the whole thing because that's his personality um, and saying like, we're going to do stuff my way and you're going to listen and you're gonna, not going to do anything stupid, which is, I mean, 
fair enough. Um, and then, but Michael doesn't know why he's acting like this. So I, my, Alex takes a step back and says, okay, wait, I'm going to explain myself to you. And so Michael then understands and listens to him and say, okay, we're going to do it your way. And then obviously trucks in, if you want to, if you want to go into the truck scene, he tries mm. to kind of shoulder his way into it. But um, I think the they did a very is, good, oh, you didn't like it. Um, that's a pretty offensive story that Alex told. <laughs> I like the end of, you know, the end result, obviously, you know, the being open with one another and communicating part of it. Um, I think that story is one of the most racist things that's happened on Roswell so far. Um, And it took watching a couple of times, reading a couple of people on Twitter and really kind of recognizing my own like white privilege (laughs) to not recognize it in the first place. And then I kind of watched it a couple more times and I was like, yeah, this could have, this, this should have been left out. It should have been a completely different story. Again, the end result of Alex being open and and communicating with Michael and then saying that wonderful line about pieces, you know, that's, that was obviously great. And I think the, the goal was really to have Alex be, you know, to be vulnerable in a way that he isn't very often, um, but to tell a story where you're sort of demonizing brown people, I don't know that that's Oh yeah, hundred percent. No, I hundred percent agree on that. Like again, uh, as a general idea of the episode, I liked Alex. Alex seemed to keep reminding himself that he had to actually right. talk to Michael and explain right. why he was acting like that, and Michael was actually taking the time to just shut up and listen to what Alex was saying. Right. Um. So that kind of di- dynamic shift to what was previously the dynamic I like that shift I do agree with you know what you just said about that scene I think it was always a problem with having Alex being the military and having him be have had have been in Iraq and all of that you know it's yeah I think it's always the story, a problem, they could have you know? changed it a little bit in a bit of, about a fellow soldier yeah. I think they could have tweaked it and not made it about a child yeah. being killed by the Taliban. And I think it would have worked the same way in terms of like showing his vulnerable side to Michael and, and opening that, you know, conversation up and admitting and saying, you know, you are the one piece I cannot go through life without would have still worked. Um, I kind of wish someone had just kind of thought about that story and been like, especially now. And obviously, yeah. Um, you, they can't tell the future and they can't tell, but in, in it's the U.S.'s involvement in Afghanistan and, and Iraq and Iran and all of these in the history of what we did and the U.S. pretty much created the Taliban. And so you have all of this, which I know they're not thinking that deeply when they're telling these stories on Roswell, but you can't, you can't talk about something that's so prevalent and so important and affects so many people and you can't and do it in a way that feels like it's for cheap shock value or, Mm -hmm. or this sort of emotional depth. I, you know, I, in some ways, Alex being in the military has worked a lot, you know, for him as a character In other ways, I just, I'll always kind of wish they had him do something else that they, they had sort of reworked the character a little bit especially given what we know about Tyler now you know what I mean like it's so it's a little it's that story is a little 
I'm just going to sort of pretend that it didn't happen. Not that that's probably not good either, but, but I, you know, again, if we just look at it as a vague, he was being open and vulnerable with Michael. Yeah. 100%. Sort of leave that as a, as a whole. It's, it's phenomenal because we've needed Alex to, to reach past that barrier that he's always putting up the walls that he's always putting up. So the, the, the one thing, you know, not counting how the story went, um, but the one thing I'm glad that we got is how we lost his leg um, right. that we mm-hmm. never had in two and a half seasons. Um, so I'm glad that was explained. Um, I have to believe that Michael some way knew how Alex lost his leg. Maybe what, maybe they never like went in depth about it. Um, yeah, I don't think so. I think this was. I don't think Alex. Ever I think it was. I think that's why it was such a big deal for him yeah. to tell this story. I don't think Michael knew anything at all, really. I mean, maybe glimpses of clearly something. You know, it was a big deal and, and something that Alex wasn't really ready to talk about. But I get the feeling, or what in my mind makes the most sense, is that this scene was all the more powerful because Alex has given nothing. Mm-hmm. He's really had barriers up for so long. And you could see it on Michael's face, almost like disbelief that Alex is opening up about all of these things. Yeah. And you could see Alex on Alex's face before he even tells the story. He is really like building his courage up. And he's, you can see it in his face of, okay, now's the time. I just, fuck mm-hmm. it. I just got to go. I just got to tell him, you know, there's no reason to hold it back now. Michael's my like person. Yeah. Yeah. And in that sense, what, there was a part that I kind of think was interesting that Alex is kind of bracing himself to, to tell that story. And I think part of it is that it is revealing actually a pretty ugly side of Alex, you know, like you, he went and killed people. And obviously you have a sense of, I mean, he's a soldier, obviously, you know, he was deployed in war, you know, obviously something had to have happened. And it was never really touched upon in the show. Um, well, he has had that one twelve scene, I think, episode twelve, yeah. season one, um, where he talked about it with Kyle, but it was very general. Um, so he is sharing a, I think, a pretty ugly side of him with the man he loves. So you know. Well, that's what I was character wise. It was very interesting and I, and it worked. Well, that's why I don't disagree with like the, the ugliness of the story, the racist, the racist tones of the story that he told Michael. Um, but I looked at that as him telling like the worst, most monstrous, monstrous thing that he probably has ever done in his life in an attempt to be vulnerable with Michael. Like I, Oh, I don't disagree at all. Like, I completely agree. My only thing is I wish that they had just made the story not about a child being murdered by the Taliban. Like, that was... That's the horrors horrors of war, But he didn't... But but my point is that we're telling that story of a different culture that we're not a part of as a white man talking about the evils of a terrorist organization that white people created in the 80s. So it would have been the same for me had he talked about there was something I don't know really something with a soldier and he made the wrong call it still could have come down to the worst mistake he ever made talking about a child getting murdered by the Taliban 
is a step too far. <clears throat> that isn't the realities of war that need to come from that perspective from someone who as, isn't actually a soldier. I do think it was an overstepping. I do think it was offensive. I can look past it. It's fine. It's Roswell. That happens. The end result, you know, is, is again, if you just look at it as sort of a vague thing that he was telling to be vulnerable, it works just fine. And he is telling like, he, this is a mistake that I made and, and revealing, cracking himself open for Michael to see, um, which is what we want. But, you know, if I could go back in time and, and talk to the writers, I would say, let's, let's change that story quite a bit, but still have Alex make a really, you know, a terrible mistake that comes from emotion, an emotional standpoint, because now it makes Alex of, you know, the here and now make more sense why he doesn't do anything with emotion, why he runs from emotion, because the last time that he sort of gave in to this emotional desire, he got someone killed or, you know, dot, dot, dot. So it still would make sense. That's, that's my only thing is that I don't think that we needed that particular story, but it is what it is. It, it you know, it exists. Okay. Uh, I like that little scene that we had where they were standing outside the truck, just kind of like planning their little attack on Jones. Like that was cute. They're like they're working as a team without just like, you know, Michael, you know, I think has a tendency a lot like Liz to kind of like, just go in, you know, just barrel through and, and, and you know, his first instinct was to kill Jones. And so I like that little scene where they're sitting there and they're trying to plan out, you know, where they think Jones is and what they're going to do. And I just, I liked them working as a team. I think because like what you realize with this episode is they, they work well together as a team when they actually, again, stop for a second and listen to each other um, and what each of them thinks and which each of them knows and has, you know, um, what their skills you know personal skills are and Alex obviously has skills in this kind of um and experience in this kind of stuff and um Michael knows Jones and knows you know the situation from an alien point of view um and knows what they need and what he has in his mind so I think in that sense they work pretty well together um it was it was fun to kind of see them reach that common ground or of where you know how much can I push and where I have to give in to actually have this work um so yeah it was very it was fun yeah to see them be the Hardy boys again minus Kyle yeah I do miss the the Kyle dynamic I do miss Kyle I mean, I miss Kyle all the time. Like it, I wish they would bring him out of that coma. Cause, but, to, but just the two of them to see that they do work together well when they try. Like I think that was great, and I think that kind of plays into what we had been hoping for for season three with them, like building a friendship. You know, even though we haven't really seen it this season, that was the kind of scene that I was talking about wanting. Where it's just like it's not. There's not really super romantic undertones. It's just more like, hey, we're a team. We got to figure this out together, which I thought was great. Uh, and then we get to that scene at the house or wherever they were. I don't really remember where they were, where Jones was. That kind of weirdly 
awkward hand-holding thing. I, it was just really cheesy. I liked it, but it was cheesy. So unnecessary. But it was just poorly. I, yeah, it was out. Tyler's face was doing something really weird during it. So it felt very much like Why that. Why was it so sexual? It was so like, like <laughs> Well, it was Why? like, it felt like he was about to ask Michael to dance. I don't really know what was like. <laughs> he had this like really weirdly intense, like smoldering, sexy look on his face. And I was like, is that the time? I don't know. That is I mean, awesome. Like, I mean, how the vibes of, you know, you trying to hold my hand private or whatever, whatever, are very prevalent in that. But it was very weirdly done. Yeah, I think it was Alex's face that did it for me. It was just like he was like, it seemed like he was like trying to smell him or something. I don't know. It just came off really weird. But I mean, I guess any opportunity to see Alex hold hands, I don't know, works. And then, you know what? The funniest, single funniest part of the episode Alex running Jones over. Amazing. Oh, and the, the role that Jones does with that was so funny. I was like, and then what? the very non-subtle, like egg-shaped object in the back of the truck that nobody's gonna know. Barely covered. It shines. I what? I hate this show sometimes. <laughs> so then we get to the last scene in the episode, the greatest scene of all time, uh, where they were just really soft. And it was nice to see Alex just like smiling at him. And, you know, the bit about talking about his mom and I felt like Michael was really listening. You know, I think that this whole season, you know, with the dictator stuff and, and Jones, like Michael has, especially since he's found out that, that Jones is his dad, that like, you know, he's like, okay, I'm, I'm evil. I come from evil. And I think that he really heard Alex this time where it's, you know, maybe, you know, yeah, my dad is evil, but maybe that doesn't mean that I don't have to be. And really are there two better characters to have that conversation on this show? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I like that it was both Alex and Maria saying that to him. So he, he has two people he cares deeply about saying that to him. Um, about Nora being, you know, brave and 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 smart and all of that. Um, so he actually, you know, starts to believe it. Um, and you know, you have two parents. You didn't know either of them. So, you know, you're one. You're your own person. Um, and two, it's not that far fetched that you might have taken after the good part of you know, the two of them. Um, even if you have, maybe you have the same powers as as Jones or stuff like that, but, you know, you also have a model or something that you can look up to even if she's not there for him. Um, she, he never knew her. Um, that he can say, oh, wait, so maybe I'm not all that, you know, not my, my old family isn't, evil or that so I think that was very important for Michael to hear um especially after the few episodes that he had thinking what he did about Jones um and it was a good balance too I think Alex being a little harsh in the drive-through scene drive drive drive-in scene not drive-through but a drive-in 
Um, Alex was a little harsh and, and that's fine. It, 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 that's what Michael needed to hear at that moment, but a little bit um, felt a little bit, I don't want to say dismissive because I don't think that's the word I'm really looking for, but it felt a little bit like, well, you've been looking for a reason to feel worthless your whole life. Like this is exactly what you wanted, which is a little bit of a dose of what Michael needed to hear. But I've been waiting for Alex to show a little bit more kindness to Michael. Um, it's not anything against Michael or Alex by any means, just um, it shows a good character development of to, to show. And that's a very kind thing to say to Michael. Um, he, you know, he said it at the right time. And Michael at that point needed to, to realize like, just because you are similar to Jones in some ways doesn't mean that that's who you're completely modeled after. And I think it was good that Alex got to balance himself a little bit by providing that. No, I agree. I think, um, I'm not sure that Michael, even though he had that scene with Maria, I'm not sure that Michael would hear that from another character, like that, like Isabel or anybody could, could say these things to him. And I'm not sure that he would hear it as well as he did in that scene with Alex. So, um, and then they kissed, like, I know we said it kind of came out of nowhere this whole episode, but that I think was the the best reunion scene we could have had for them. I care less about the kiss than I do more the flirting, really. I mean, the I mean, obviously the kiss is important, but it, we I always like to see beyond that because we know that they have sexual and physical chemistry with one another, obviously. So the whole like flirting over the beer bottle and like smiling at one another and the soft looks and all of that, that is really like, that's what I've been waiting for. I mean, for, for just two and a half years now has been waiting for some really substantial, just intimacy. Um, and that's what the sort of nuzzle and a tucking into his shoulder or his neck was after the kiss. That's really what I I'm super glad that we got was, you know, that intimate, they really, they are not just physically attracted to one another, but like emotionally and intellectually and all of that, you know, attracted to one another. And, and that's, that's key. That's more important to me than any kiss. Although it was a good kiss and I'm so glad it happened. That's, that's more important. I think that's why like, even in the pilot, the forehead touch is more important to me than the kiss ever will be. Um, and I'm, and so I'm glad well, we sort of got that call back. Well, and no shame. I have five different gifts of that shoulder nuzzle saved on my phone. <laughs> it's my favorite shot of the whole episode yeah. because they just, I feel like it's Alex finally like letting all of his guards down. Yeah. You know, he, he's going to let himself be comfortable and just kind of like exist with Michael in that moment. And yeah and just the whole thing well the kiss as well just the faces that they have when they know when they're kissing but as, as soon as like they break apart after right after the kiss um it just made me think of the pilot and you know that we got the the script for that part of the pilot with the kiss and when they uh, touch for it it said something like they're they both feel at peace or something like that and that's what it reminded me of. Um, the other thing that I really liked about that scene was, uh, again, Alex being vulnerable and saying, um, you know, if I discover something about 
you know, in deep sky, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to try and find a way I can work with you. Um, and at the same time, Michael realized it's very likely that they're not just going to welcome me with open arms in this super secret organization. But okay, we can find a common ground and we can, you know, even if I'm not physically able to work on this thing, you can, you know, we can talk about it and figure stuff out together, um, which again, felt a lot like a metaphor of saying like, we can figure stuff out together and find common ground. Um, so I think that was really important. It was a very important step for them to get to, um, yeah. And the music. I wonder how the music. I hate Wonderwall. And I, I love Wonderwall. I hate Wonderwall so much. But it, was, it, it works works somehow. so well. It, it works, works somehow. So well. I, the only the, the song itself is so not a problem and it works so well. But I mean, it's a meme and, you know, and now Wonderwall, you know, but it was an actual, it was a good cover. It was a, it was actually a, a good choice for a song that I really would rather die than ever hear again. But it's nice to associate that song with Malik's now, I guess, rather than like douchey frat boys singing it at, on acoustic guitars at parties, I guess. I mean, that's a, that's a nice association, but it was a good cover of it. I was impressed. I wonder what all of this means going forward for them. Like I, are they together? Are, is this, are they now in a relationship? Are they going to actually talk about it? Are we going to actually see I them think, discuss this? I think it would be very poor, 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 poor writing if they weren't together at this point. Now, not to say that they're like, oh, not, you know, going to get married the next episode, but it wasn't framed in a way where this was like an accident or a one time. Mm-hmm. It was framed very much like this is the beginning of something new rather than a continuation of the same old Malik's. So I have high hopes that this is actually a new leaf. And if it had been, I don't know, reminiscent of their past, like run-ins emotionally or physically, it just would have been like, oh no, here we go again. Where they had just fallen into bed together. Right. Then they're not going to talk about it. It's going to be this whole thing. This feels like like a new page, like a whole new chapter. Yeah. Well, and with this, and you have this scene and and like all of the scenes in this episode in in context, it's established. Alex loves Michael. Michael loves Alex. And that's just the way it is. And so I don't want them. I I get anxiety, I guess, because we're like halfway through season three and we know there's like a five season plan. I don't want them to break up again. (laughs) And I just feel like it's a little early, but I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, because I think the problem with not even just Roswell writers, um, writers of television in general, is that they cannot seem to find a way to make relationships have drama, like air quotes drama, but still people have people be together. Like the only show I think I've seen that managed that was um Schitt's Creek they they were together the whole time David and Patrick were together the whole time they still had their problems you know they still had relationship they still had issues because they because it's a relationship they're two people everyone has their own issues that they have to work through that does not mean that they have to break up the first time that they have a fight so what I hope happens i do agree that 
I in the right in as it was written in this episode, it feels like it's the beginning of something. Um, I do hope that it's not like next episode we're gonna see them like they've been in a 10-year relationship. I still hope they talk it out. We get to see them talk it out a little bit. Um, because they do have stuff to figure out. I mean, it's been a 10-year gap in which they've been back and forth, back and back and forth, back and back and forth. So they surely have stuff to talk about. There's a lot going on outside of their their relationship that they have to figure out. Um, so it would not make sense for them to just have, you know, sunsets and all of that because it's not the time in the context of the show. Um, but yes, I do agree that it's, it feels like it will be something at last, hopefully. Um, I mean, I, I also think guess, we you know. So emotionally prepare ourselves that if we have two more seasons, they will break up at some point, like. I feel like not maybe not if you think of it like echo yeah season two echo I think is yeah yeah which I could handle that I just don't want right at this point I just can't find it believable for them to date other people no and I think that's I think if they did it would be because you know if they ever did sort of we don't even know if they're together but presumably if they're together if they ever have them break up or, or sort of spend time apart I would imagine it would come down to their issues that they have that they still haven't worked through. And I don't think it would come down to, you know, I don't think, I don't think the show will have them date other people again. I don't, which would be, we tried that, you know, again, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that would be fine. I mean, obviously I would be happier if you didn't break up, but I think, you know, kind of like what Max and Liz had last season we said we said in a lot of our recaps on the episode that we did after season two it was more interesting like their relationship echo in season two was more interesting than echo in season one because they had depth they had complications in their relationship so i think that would be interesting now obviously i wouldn't not want them to break up and one of them move to the other side of the country at the end of one season but you know um we'll see we'll see i'm trying to stay positive because this season has worked out pretty well um so far so well it's fine because after the episode ended i started panicking that it was all in the mindscape and it didn't actually happen so who's my oh god i don't know it was me it was you know i had when i watched this episode i had been up for a very very long time and i was up I didn't sleep at all. Like I basically slept like three hours in a span of two days to watch this episode. And so towards the end, I was like, okay, I didn't, I don't I have any faith. It didn't actually happen. Like this is, it's all going to be a dream. And I was like, that's you gave obviously me not anxiety when I read that post of yours or something. <laughs> I was asked. worried. I was just like, I don't know my brain. I'm tired. I don't know how this is yeah. going to work, you know, because, and because then I we've got like, whose mindscape, like Isabel would not think of it. Maria would not think of it. I know. Kyle would but not think of it. So when you have watching the show for a long time where we've almost gotten what we wanted a million times and never gotten it, it feels like, you know, it's a scary, like, did we actually just get what we really wanted? Like, are we exactly. sure? You know, I feel that's... like reminding, <laughs> like, I feel like a lot of, I've seen a lot of people reminding themselves and others 
that I don't I don't think Vamos would have dropped an entire kind of line no, of merch no, no, with no. Tyler if this was a temporary thing. No. So I have I another agree. friend who's a casual viewer and not involved in, in fandom. And she sent me screenshots of Lamas's Instagram with like, particularly, I think it was the one where Michael's covering his junk with the hat. And she's like, she hasn't watched the episode. And she's like, what's happened? <laughs> okay, so favorite parts of the episode can't be Malik's. Because we got to make it a challenge. Uh, Mick, do you want to go first? Um, yeah. Um, it's hard because this was genuinely one of my favorite episodes of the show ever. Um, not just because of mallets, generally. Um, I think, personally, um, Rosa's part of the episode where um, I think very kind of like fulfilling as, you know, as a viewer um to see her growth uh i really like the scene that she had with um isabel in the mindscape where she mentioned um the stuff that she learned at na and then isabel told her you know what we mentioned earlier that it's liz's problem that she does not see rosa as an equal it's not rosa's problem so i really like that right amanda um i would probably say the all of the Maria, Rosa, and Isabel building up to the, you know, calling them sisters. Um, because the whole <clears throat> ignoring that the show makes everyone related all the time, um, instead of just relying on found family, um, they really are genuinely a found family in a lot of ways. Um, and so I really, it was nice to hear, to see them working together and then to hear Maria call them family. Um, even though we've sort of known that it was really nice to see, um, it added a whole new layer to all of their characters. Um, and again, mostly for me, for Isabel, um, she, if you would have told me the Isabel of like season one was going to one day call or be called a sister by Maria and have these scenes, I would have never believed you. Um, so that was definitely aside, aside from Alex, that was, you know, that whole entire part of the episode was the best part. So I'm going to go with Isabel too, but the Isabel and Liz scene at the end, um, I thought that I love any time that they kind of interact and it's not like world endingly critical. I think anytime that they can, those two can just be together. Cause I think they have really great chemistry and it was a good conversation um, aside from, you know, it have, you know, the max part of it, I think. I like these scenes that show that they're genuinely friends and they genuinely like each other. And I think it shows a lot of growth on Isabel's part. I think anytime we see scenes, these really great intense scenes with Isabel, with the female characters, it just reminds me of how far she's come since season one as a character. And I just, I'd love that. And so that was my favorite part. All right, that was our recap of episode 308. Uh, we will be back next week to discuss 309. Uh, until then, you can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at Queer Alien Blast. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you.